Welcome to another edition of Not Another Philly Sports Talk Show. I am, as always, David Murphy, joined, not as always, by Matt Breen in person and his uh, trusty companion on the Phillies beat, Matt Gelb, down in Miami. Gelb's here like Can everybody hear me? in Star Wars. Can everybody hear me? He's like, what? The hologram. Hey, guys. Star Wars? He's just like ha- ha- hanging out with us. Or like Tupac. Or Tupac, okay. There you go. That, I, that's more, more, that's more on my uh, pop culture wavelength. Gelb, how's the weather down there? Pretty uh, brutal? It's hot. Uh, thank God they have a roof now on the ballpark down here. As you recall, when you were on the baseball beat, those 6.45 p.m. rain delays at uh, Dolphin Stadium, those were those were brutal. That was the worst. Yeah, Dolphin Stadium was not a, an attractive baseball palace. What uh, What do you like most about Miami when you're down there? Uh, there's some good places for lunch that I like, but I got to say, of all the NL East cities, uh, this is probably my least favorite. Which which means that Atlanta has made a dramatic resurgence because that was my by far the consensus least favorite when I first started. And then Midtown started blowing up. And Atlanta's actually a decent place to go now. But Miami, it's uh yeah, it's like in the middle of nowhere, right? No, it's not in the middle of nowhere. I would just say that, you know, the city isn't necessarily my speed. Maybe it's more your speed. You know, <laughs> I know you like to do a lot of clubbing and, and yeah. late night uh, You know me, Gil. dancing. Uh, do they still do do the uh, Macarena? They do not do the Macarena. Breen probably does more clubbing than any of us. He's like the little teeny bobber. Yeah, all the time. My, I love Miami. South Beach. Do they still say teeny bobber? Mm-hmm. Welcome to Miami. Uh, can you hear Breen? That's good. <laughs> all right, Gab, let's talk about the trade deadline. Um, and we'll start with uh, Matt Breen wrote about J.P. Crawford. Um, no, I didn't. Well, you're about to write about J.P. Crawford. Yeah, for Friday. All right, for Friday. Um, but Reese Hoskins is his teammate down there. When do you think Reese Hoskins makes his major league debut? Uh, sometime around August 1st. Wow. Depending on when Tommy Joseph is traded or if Tommy Joseph is traded or if he's not traded, then I still think Hoskins is going to come up and they'll just try to figure it out. Maybe they split time at first base. But he'll he's going to be in the majors um, right around the trade deadline. Uh, it, it's time. I mean, it's been time. He's been ready since mid-May. They've uh, sort of admitted that, if you can read between the lines on a lot of things they've said, and, and they want to get a look at him for more than September. I think um, you can look at a guy in September and be like, whoa, like he's great, but he's you know, in September, and you're facing – Worst pitchers generally, so they they want Hoskins in the majors uh, for August. What are, and Brian, you've spent a lot of time in the minors, so feel free to answer this. What are the what are the Phillies' expectations of Hoskins? Uh, I mean, all anybody knows is he's torn up the minor league, but Darren Ruff tore, tore up the minor leagues. Matthew Rosati tore up the minor leagues, uh, but neither of those were were a Baseball America top one hundred prospect, which Reese Hoskins was at midseason. So, I mean, what are what are what do the Phillies envision as his ceiling? I think he's going to be a, have a chance to be the uh, everyday. Why can't I hear you? Maybe I'm not talking closer to the mic. There but and the guys you mentioned were older at Double A AA and Triple A than Hoskins was. I don't think it's fair to, you know, to discount what Hoskins has done just because of what Darren Ruff or you know these other guys did down there. And I think he's going to be an everyday first baseman. He'll be the opening day first baseman next year, and he has a chance to be that first baseman on the but I mean what kind contending of Phillies he could like he, are we talking about Paul Goldschmidt he could be that's I mean that's a comp that's been used really and uh I mean he hits for power he, he has a great um approach at the plate 
Um, he's just a solid defensive first baseman. The people are down on him defensively, but from what I've seen, he's you know he's he can definitely handle his own out there. And let's be honest, defense does not matter at first base. No, it really. You mean you just? I mean, all you can do is hold your own, and that's what he can do. That. And I, I just I think he has a chance to be a definite piece going forward. Gal, was that your? What, what do you? I mean, what would your expectations be moving forward? I mean, on the on the. I mean, he. He, he has a higher ceiling than Tommy Joseph, and I think that's why they want to make this switch. And Tommy Joseph hasn't been an unproductive player in the majors, and that should tell you uh, how they feel about Hoskins. I think they look at him as a guy uh, who has the kind of power that Joseph does, but a better on-base skill. Uh, he They're probably about equals defensively. Uh, but, look, I mean, there's a lot of power-hitting guys in baseball right now. There's going to be more home runs hit this year than ever before. So power is less of a premium right now, and, and you're looking for the guys who can hit for power and get on base, and that that's typically a hard thing to find. Reese Hoskins in 378 plate appearances at Lehigh Valley this season. Um, 58 strikeouts against 48 walks. Uh, that K rate, when, especially when you compare it to, to the 20 home runs, that's uh, – it, it, can you read into that? I mean, is that a predictor at all? Uh, everybody else has the has the opposite splits for them in the minors. Yeah, and that's why they like him. I mean, <laughs> and that's why they like Kingery, and that's why they like Crawford. I mean, uh, if you strike out a lot in the minors, you're going to strike out a lot in the majors. And strikeouts, yeah, are, are, are less important these days, I suppose. I mean, teams have put less stock into strikeouts. If a guy hits a lot of home runs, they're fine if he has a lot of strikeouts. But uh, – Phillies have too many guys with a lot of strikeouts, and they need guys who strike out less, and they need guys who put the ball in play, who can get on base, and and Hoskins, they think, is that kind of guy. What do you uh, what do you you mentioned the guy's name? So so what about Scott Kingery? There's been a lot of uh, we're joined we're, we're going to be joined here shortly by Scott Kingery's number one fan, I believe, um, even has the T-shirt, Mike Sealski, who has been clamoring for some some more Scott Kingery in his life since since opening day of spring training. Um, S C O T T. Scotty is the way to be. Scotty doesn't know. So does Scotty know the major leagues? That's my question. Great movie reference. Thanks. Kosielski has no idea where that, where that what, one's from. What movie reference is that? Euro that was trip. That, yeah. Road trip. Euro trip. Euro trip. What? Even like bet. five people saw it. <laughs> Matt Damon's in it. Well, well, well. Let let Breen let Breen start with that because he just saw Kingery most recently. Hold on, Gail. The audio in here just blew my ears yeah, out. Yeah, sorry, I like forgot you were wearing your headphones. Tease behind the <laughs> behind the control this panel. E- I wish I wish people I wish people could have Facebook Live with us right now because we are currently sharing uh, three head two headphones for three people. <laughs> this is technology right out of like 1987. Uh, yeah. Anyway, Scott Kingery. Scott Kingery, Matt Breen, go. We'll not see him in the majors this year. M- more likely than not, you know, because of forty be man, or because of Cesar, or what? Forty man because of the Rule Five draft, because you don't need to protect them until next year, so you just add them next season opening day, or if you really want, you push them till May, May fifteenth, to get that extra year of control, which on the surface is sounds terrible, because you know if you, you want to see this guy in the majors, but if you're in this rebuilding process and you're sticking to your guns, wouldn't you rather have that extra year of him, you know, in twenty? 20 whatever instead of tw- instead of having him on the 2018 opening day roster well all right so here's a question i wanted to ask and i want to get both your guys take on this there was a piece in the new york times the other day about aaron judge and about how he changed his swing in the offseason uh made some adjustments and that helped him become this monster home run hitter that we now see 
And one of the things that the story noted was that because Judge had a brief period of time with the Yankees last season, he felt like he knew what the book on him among opposing pitchers was and that he could work off of that in making adjustments at the major league level. To play devil's advocate, I agree with virtually everything Matt Breen just said, but to play devil's advocate, is there any value in getting Kingery up this season, the, the, the sacrifice of the year of control be damned, just to, to, because maybe he might be a better player for it? Of course. I, I don't think there is, but I think you have to weigh, is that month or six weeks more worth than that extra year of, you know, if this guy is a star player, could be making $17 million instead of, you know, that extra year of having him under control instead versus free agency. I don't even think it. I don't even think it comes to that. Let's let's make sure we're not comparing apples to apples here. Scott Kerry is exactly, almost exactly, three days off. He's two years younger than Aaron Judge right now. Exactly two years younger. And look, I mean, he's just. I don't think he's ready yet. Look at his. If you want to look at his, you know, scouting the stat line is dangerous. But they just promoted him to Triple A, right? Okay, he's hitting two ninety. Uh, in 17 games, he's also struck out 20 times in 75 plate appearances. And I know he's hit a few home runs, but I, I just I don't think he's ready. I mean, this is this is just his second full professional season. Let's not forget that. And I saw Kingery at the end of last season uh, when I followed him, I followed Redding around for the playoffs, and he was dead. I mean, he you could see that at the end of his first full season, he's not a big guy. Uh, he clearly was not. He wasn't strong enough. He wasn't conditioned right to handle it. And now we're going to see through the rest of this AAA season whether he can handle it. I mean, Lehigh is probably going to be in the playoffs, the International League playoffs. So he'll get a little longer season there. Uh, and I think that's the best test for him for the rest of the season. What have you made of uh, Nick Williams so far? I've been impressed with uh, – his hustle, that's for one thing. I mean, that was one of the knocks on him uh, in the minor leagues, and, and I know it was sort of a, a point of contention last season between him and AAA manager, former AAA manager Dave Brundage. The guy runs out every ball, and, I, and, and he has actually gotten a, a hustle double out of it once. Uh, I have not been very impressed by his defense, uh, and that was one of the knocks on him was that he was athletic enough uh, to overcome some bad routes and some bad decisions, but it's looked really shaky uh, in the big leagues where it's a totally different uh, realm. And he played an inning of center field last night, didn't get a chance, uh, but he's mostly been in right and left field, and it's it's looked a little shaky, I think. And J.P. Crawford, uh, as we mentioned, he he... he has started to swing the bat a little bit better. It looks like he's got three, four, five, six home runs since the start of July. Uh, looks like he's seven for his last 19 or so. Look at that, me adding adding up numbers in my head off his uh, game log. Uh, it, it, has there has there been any concern out of the Phillies about J.P. Crawford? Again, you know, take Baseball America for what it's worth, but they he, he's downgraded him by like 60 spots um, at the midseason rankings. Um you know, I mean, the one thing that jumps out at me is the guy just hasn't put on the weight that I would have expected him to put on um, since he was drafted. Um, are they disappointed with how he's progressed? I mean, clearly he's going to be able to guy who could play defense and get on base, but weren't you hoping for something more than that at this point? Anybody? I'll go ahead and Gelb. Bring, go ahead. Well, my thing with him is that since he's been back from the DL, 
like you just read off his game log and how well he's done. Could it just have been the fact that he was playing hurt, like he was playing hurt last year? He had mm-hmm. he had bone chips in his knees last year and didn't tell anybody. And then it could have been how this groin injury. How much did that affect you know his struggles this season? Because J.P. Crawford before last year was you know electric at every step in the minor leagues. Then all of a sudden he got the Triple A. Yeah, he was young, but he also was playing hurt, struggled. This year struggled. Was and now we find out he was hurt back from the DL, and all of a sudden he's J.P. Crawford of two years ago. So I, I wouldn't be surprised a month from now if you know he continues what he's doing now, and it was because he was battling through a groin injury for X amount of time. J.P. Crawford had 24 games since returning from the disabled list in late June. Has hit 287 with a 392 on base percentage, and then the power that I referenced that just hasn't hasn't been there um, the past couple of years. He's got 15 extra base hits and 87 at bats um, in those 24 games, so 1.024 OPS. He has like five the, the, the scouting the scouting community appears to be very divided on this guy, and I've tried to talk to as many people as I can, and and some of it is just intel just to have, and just just how people feel about him right now, and some guys who have seen him recently. Uh, did not like it. I mean, they, they, they just didn't like what they saw. Uh, one of the biggest critiques of JP has always been just that he doesn't swing very hard. And, and look, you're not expecting this guy to hit 20, 25 home runs. Uh, it, it, it's, it's been a concerning season. I think it's been a disappointment. But here's the thing. He's got six weeks left. They're more than six weeks, really. Well, they end, they end early September. He's got about six, seven weeks left. Uh, to, to change to change the narrative and so far in the last month he has started to do that and I hate picking out these little sample sizes because everyone goes crazy when they see him hit a home run like oh look here he comes here he comes look his last five games he's done this and his last 20 games he's done this let's see what he does the rest of the season I think within the Phillies organization uh, there is less concern about him than there is outside the organization uh, you know baseball America rankings whatever I mean who, who cares uh, you know, Kingery and Hoskins were not on them before this year. Dominic Brown was once uh, rated higher than Mike Trout in, in a midseason ranking, whatever. I mean, the rankings don't really matter, but uh, his performance in the last six weeks, I think, is uh, one of the more important and interesting things that will happen in the entire organization. Matt, we uh, we kind of have to address this because it's the, it's the scuttlebutt, you know, among fans and social media and talk radio these discussions or not discussions I shouldn't say that but these rumors and and things about the Marlins and Stanton and big time trades you, you kind of you, you you wrote about this a bit um, you know today uh, in the context of last night's game w- what do you make of all that I think it's just a lot of a lot of chatter right now I, I really don't think there's anything to it and, and I think as I uh, sort of detail in today's story. I mean, there's, they're, they're in theory. Yeah. I mean, like could, could something with Christian Yelich or uh, John Carlos Stanton happen between the Marlins and Phillies? Yeah. I mean, it could happen. It's not going to happen in the next two weeks. Uh, number one, the Marlins don't really have an owner right now. Uh, their front office is sort of in limbo. They really haven't been granted uh, the authority from what I understand to trade a big name player like Stanton or Yelich or, Ozuna or Real Muto, the catcher. Uh, number two, I don't know that John Carlos Stanton would want to even come to the Phillies, even if the Phillies were to agree 
to take on $295 million uh, after this season. He has a full no-trade clause. He has said he doesn't want to be part of another rebuild, which is why he would leave Miami. And everyone you talk to about this guy says that he wants to play on the West Coast, that he would he would not want to play in the Northeast in a cold-weather uh, city. His preference would be to either be in Miami on a winning team or in California on a winning team. Uh that complicates it. Now, now Yelich, yeah, the Phillies love Christian Yelich. There's 28 other teams in baseball who love Christian Yelich. Christian Yelich has a great contract right now. It's a very team-friendly contract. He is a really, really good player that would interest a lot of teams. And, look, it can't hurt that the Phillies just, you know, keep poking. Is he, can, will you trade him? Will you trade him? Is he available? Is he available? They can do that. Uh, I think that's been sort of what started a lot of this chatter is that, they have been interested in Christian Yelich, and right now I just don't think there's going to be anything that happens with it. Uh, could they revisit it, maybe with a new owner with the Marlins, maybe if circumstances change? Yeah, I think that's totally possible. I just don't understand um, why the Marlins would want to trade Christian Yelich of all people. I mean, you're trading... That, that's the thing, that's the thing. If you're if you're someone who's, let's say this Jorge Moss, this prominent Miami businessman, is the guy who ends up owning the team, or maybe it's him and some combination of, of Jeter, whatever. But you're taking over for an owner now who is just just vilified down here. He is hated. Jeffrey Loria is hated here uh, because of what he's done to to a lot of these Marlins teams. If you're going to take over for him, is your first move going to be to trade two of the most popular players on the team? I, I just I don't know. I mean, maybe it is. Maybe they'll have to trade those guys because of financial reasons, because uh, they see it as the best way to jumpstart a rebuild. I, I don't know, but that would be a very hard sell, I think, on a new owner. And all of these things have to be considered uh, in the context of these uh, trade rumors. But I mean, like Yelich is 25 and locked up to a below-market deal. And, I mean, if you're trading that guy, you're doing it with the hope that you'll get a guy like Christian Yelich in return. So, like, why even trade him? It, it just seems like I understand Stanton. I understand uh, Boar, I understand uh, what's his name, Ozuna. I, I just Yelich would seem to be the guy. There's like, there's no reason to trade him at this point. I agree. All right. Well, good. I, I think there's no reason to trade any of these guys if you're the Marlins. It's Stanton or Yelich. I, if I'm buying a team, hey, I, I want to be there when the trade happens. If I'm going to buy the right. team at the end of the season, and I want Stanton. Like we talked earlier, Stanton's contract is. On the surface, oh, wow, that's a crazy contract. But in baseball, that's really not. It's not going to be crazy in two years when Bryce Harper signs for whatever, you know, half a billion dollars. And if Stanton's a superstar. So I want a superstar on my team. I need a superstar to market my team in Miami. And I, I just I, – I would be surprised if they trade him. I just think that, like, his – I think it's one of those situations – it's like Mike Trout, where it's just not going to make sense for either side to make that trade. Because a team – is not going to want to give up a ton of prospects for Stanton, mostly because of that opt-out clause, which forces you to take all of the risk on that, you know, three hundred some million dollars. So you're, you're essentially giving, you're essentially inheriting two years of it where it's all risk. You don't even get any payoff because he can opt out if he has two great years. You know. Yeah, well, if they if they if they have a, if he's traded, there would ha- I would assume that he would there would have to be some sort of agreement for him to waive the opt-out okay. if another team if the acquiring team is giving up you know a bounty of prospects but 
I'll disagree with Breen a little bit. I, I think it's a it's a really rough contract. Uh, th- this guy has had trouble staying on the field already. He's going to be 28. And that's not to say that, you know, someone shouldn't consider taking on the contract because he is a superstar. He is unbelievable. And, like, could you imagine him playing 81 games or so at Citizens Bank Park every year? I mean, it, it could be incredible, but it, it is a – it's a tough contract. That's a really tough contract if you look at uh, the salaries as it goes later. Uh, especially – I know the Phillies have no payroll commitments at all, but – yeah, it's a lot to, to sink into one guy who you're not really sure about how he's going to age. I just think in the day and age of where these TV contracts are going, that you know there's no such thing as a rough contract anymore. Uh, I just, it's like, all right, we're gonna he makes what three hundred million dollars or whatever. Is, is that what it is? Something like that. And it's not like you know. Yeah, about that. I looked that. A two billion dollar whatever they sign with Comcast. It's like who cares? They. they yeah, but it's more about the fact that you can. Yeah, but see, it's Tom more about the McCarthy fact that and John Crocker getting a billion of that. That's so true. That's he got hit in the face by a pitch. It's like <laughs> the guy is he's he has a he's a one of baseball's handful of superstars. Right. Imagine him in Philly, like Gelb said, playing in Citizens Bank Park. It would be. I mean, it's not going to happen, but I would be all in favor of if they somehow swung it. All right, let's take a pause. Let's. All right, facts. you're going to spend that Here's money the anyway in 2019. One, two, so do you risk? N- Bryce Harper coming to Philly in 2019 and saying no thanks. Yeah, that's Charles saying no thanks. But you signed your free agent this summer by getting. That's why I don't think it will make sense for either side, and that's why I think the contract. Like, like put this way, I think the Marlins, I think if the Marlins offered up Mike Stanton, just hey, take the contract. John Carlo, yeah, Mike Stanton. Whatever, I call him five years ago. I can't speak. I can't say John Carlo. He's going to be Mike Stanton. He's got ten years. He's got ten years and something like three hundred million dollars left, on the deal after this season. Um, but then, but you, but he has that opt out after the 2020 season. Um, it yeah, just seems like a non-starter, especially. It, I don't think he's going to get moved until after that 2018 free agency, when whoever is left without Bryce Harper and Manny Machado might, you know, contemplate something. But by that point, he'll be 30 years old, right? Yeah, and Harper and Machado are going to sign about you know about their 20 age 26 seasons or 27 seasons, so. That's the difference. I mean, that that is totally that is all the difference is in the is in the age, Since we, uh, and the way that players age now, the aging curves. Uh, it's really good to be under thirty. Since we mentioned Scott Kingery, uh, Cesar Hernandez just came back from the disabled list. What what is the team's vision for Cesar Hernandez? I mean, do they view him? As, uh, he he got off to that really hot start this year. Uh, was swinging the bat really well, hitting for power, and then just kind of went into an Odubelish funk um, and is kind of right back at his career averages right now. Do, I mean, do they view him as a, as a, as a piece moving forward or are they, are they, would they hope somebody would take a nibble at him at the trade deadline? I think they hope somebody's going to take a nibble. I don't think it's going to be at this year's trade deadline. Uh, they could, they could hope that somebody takes a nibble on him in the winter time. Uh, I think part of the problem with Cesar is that, I think here's what I think he's a really good player on a second division team an everyday guy. I think on a good team, maybe he's like a, a utility guy, but the problem is I don't think he can be a utility guy. He mm. can't play the left side of the infield. They've tried it. It really doesn't work. They tried him in center field a bunch of years ago. It really was a hastily uh, arranged experiment. It didn't go very well. Maybe they would revisit that and have like a second base center field kind of utility guy. Uh, I think they I think they look at him as as a trade piece. 
I don't know that they'd really be able to get much for him uh, in the next two weeks just because he hasn't played very much uh, because his numbers are down a little bit from last year. Uh, I, I think his future is with another team. Aaron Nola has looked a whole lot better since coming back off the DL. And Murph and I were talking about this last week. What seemed, what has struck me is how much better and higher his velocity is. Um, at least watching from home on a telecast, you get you see 94, 95 on the gun. Um, is that, you know, the juiced ball? <laughs> is that, you know, newfound, uh, you know, just natural velocity with him aging and strength, you know, training or something? What's going on there? No, actually he started using his legs more. Uh, when he went down to Clearwater uh, to rehab, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, end of last year, you know, they kind of looked at his delivery with him and they went over a few things and they're like, look, you're putting a lot of strain on your elbow. And he still is. I mean, he still, he still is a guy who you, you, you do worry about him breaking down. Uh, but they said, look, you need to use your legs more. Like you can get more, you can put more strain on your legs, less on your, on your upper half. And the result at the beginning of the year was a, was a fastball that uh, was re- really gained velocity. But the problem was once he gained velocity, he, he lost the command of it. I mean, he was used to being able to command 91, 92, 93. And all of a sudden, it's more 93, 94. And he, he was just having a problem locating it. And then, you know, in the last, you know, five, six starts or so, you've seen him figure out how to locate 94 and 93. Uh, and then the changeup is a better pitch right now for him. The curveball has been a good pitch. He's he's in a, in a in a pretty good spot right now. Aaron Nola's fastball velocity, according to Fangraphs, has jumped nearly two two whole miles per hour um, this year. Uh, Breen can probably tell you what that is in kilometers per hour. I'm not well versed in the metric system. I wanted to ask you, but ninety. That's because Breen is un-American and uses the metric. Ninety-one. System. So so he was uh, according to his his fastball sat at ninety ninety point five ninety point one. And now it's up to 91.9. Um, and he's also throwing it a little bit less, as Gail mentioned, throwing that change up a career high 15% of the time. Gail, do you think he's the most important of the guys on the on the roster right now going forward? Is he the most important guy? Uh, hmm. I would say it's a toss-up between him and Michael Franco. I still believe in Michael Franco. I, I know I might be in the minority, but – they don't have anyone with the kind of bat speed and and ceiling that Michael Franco has. And, and I know he, he has made some really just awful decisions. He 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 gets himself out too often. Um, but he, I still see him as like a as a really important middle of the order piece. I, I do. I think he has that potential. Is he gonna get to there? I, I don't know. Nola to me, his ceiling I think is as a number three starter. Uh, I don't know that he'll ever be slotted a number three on a really good team and number two, maybe on a not, not as good team. Uh, I don't know that he'll ever get above the ceiling of a number three. Um, I would say I'm down on Franco, I guess more than you are, but then I also forget sometimes how young he is. And where do you view Odubel at if you're, if you're still high on Franco? I think Odubel's a guy for them. I think he bats seventh on a good team and gives them decent center field and does maddening things that will drive you crazy, but then also shows this innate ability to make contact uh, and look really ridiculous doing it, but still doing it. 
I agree. I, I think both both can be guys, and but both don't really have to be guys. I guess you know you don't. I think Franco has a chance to be a guy, but it's not like if Franco's not a piece going forward. I don't think that says anything bad about where the Phillies are two years from now. But I think no. But also, you want Mike, you want Michael Franco to develop because he doesn't necessarily have to be a piece for you. But let's say Michael Franco, uh, you know, really starts to realize his potential, and let's say you like your. Uh, let's say you like your right side of the infield, Reese Hoskins, Scott Kingery. Let's say your shortstop is either Freddie Galvis or J.P. Crawford. And Michael Franco starts hitting. You say, all right, you know, we're going to flip Franco for a controllable pitcher, Franco on a piece or two for a controllable pitcher, and we go sign Manny Machado. That's just, again, it's a hypothetical. But if Michael Franco develops, he doesn't have to be a piece for them. You know, his, his, And he also doesn't – even if he develops into – not his full potential, it still was all right because they could still trade him. All right, Gab, well, I know you got some lunch to eat, um, so we'll bid you adieu. Uh, but first, give like a three-sentence prediction or, or where do you think the odds are the trade la- deadline shaping up with regards to Pat Neshek, Tommy Joseph, um, and then will there be any surprises um, with regards to a guy like, you know, whether it's Cesar Hernandez or somebody in the minors or making a play for like a, I mean, there's like some young guy like Mike. Like I read the other day that somebody's out scouting Michael Fulmer, who's 24 years old for the for the Tigers. Is are the Phillies getting to the point at all where they might start trying to make an aggressive play for some somebody with the next couple of years in mind? Uh, my three cents prediction is this: uh, no surprises. Uh, they will attempt to get whatever they possibly can for all of their rental players. And Tommy Joseph will not be traded, but Hoskins will still come up. Awesome. You got any? You got any parting words for? Yeah. Anything you want to add? Uh, just it's an honor to be on this podcast. It's really, uh, it's really great. And uh, you know, I know training camp is starting soon, so this will probably be the last time we talk about the Phillies for a long, long time. But it was really great. The, the, the season ends Monday at 11 a.m. Yeah. when the Eagles are short. That's right. This is a farewell week. Thanks. Yo, there's a great pokey place in downtown Miami. Look it up. Pokey? Okay. All right. Are we allowed to discuss such things on this show? Pokey? What is pokey? It's like it's like sushi. We're all fish, but it's in a bowl, a pokey bowl with rice and vegetables. And What's it called? Or you can text me. I'll, I'll, I'll text 305 you. 305-POKEY, I think. Just Google, Google Maps. Type in pokey. It'll come up. There's only two places. All right. It doesn't have enough Great chat. I'll talk to you guys game. later. Nope. Right. See you, dude. See you. Later. All right. Well, let's let's talk about this because I it was just spent this entire show adding up some numbers that are completely irrelevant to the topic that we've <laughs> now drifted to, but they're interesting to me. And I'm going to ask you, uh, well, both of you, but Breen, the alleged expert, um, perhaps you can weigh in first. J.B. Crawford against left-handed pitchers the last – Three seasons. Well, let's start with this. He's got three extra base hits in 93 at-bats against left-handed pitchers this year. In over the last three seasons against lefties, he's hitting 216 with a 289 on base percentage and has gotten extra base hits, just 16 extra base hits in 426 plate appearances. Is that a concern? Read me back the stat line. What, what, what was the concern? J.P. Crawford against lefties. Like his stats against lefties? Over the last three years. How about what's th- th- this year? I don't care about three years ago. Uh, This year, it's even worse. It's even worse. He's right? 18 for 93, three extra base hits, nine walks, what's 14 What's his OBP? Pickups. 
It, it's like two eighty nine. Yeah, uh, could be. I don't. I don't know. I mean, I, I think his overall, especially, and like Gail made a really good point about not looking at these small sample sizes. I think we'll have a really good. Yeah, but that's why I give you three years. Yeah, but it's. He said I, I want to talk he's about. He's got this a two ninety sample size is June is June first until the end of August or the end of beginning of September, whenever the season ends. And then I think that's that's going to be the best sample size of J.P. Crawford's that we that we can look at. Okay. What do you th- uh, so, so here's a question. This is my uh, – at some point I'm going to write about this. I'm not sure when. Um, but I can't wait. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, the Phillies are, like, getting to the point where people are starting to – even though – even though Dave Murphy, Old Testament prophet, spent four years warning them that this was this was what they were headed for, people are starting to reach a breaking point where they think that the rebuild has gone on too long. They just want something to happen. And, and you know what? I'll empathize with them because it's just brutal to watch bad baseball. It makes the summer worse. I miss it. Um, it's just no fun turning on the TV, seeing that the Phillies are in the top of the ninth, and seeing Al Leiter on the mound or Al Leiter Jr. or Mark, uh, Mark Leiter, Mike Leiter, whatever. I'm just kidding. I, yeah, I know if his name Mark is Mark. Le- if Al Leiter's on the man form, they really have problems. <laughs> um, well, they have problems. And I guess I'll ask you this. One, are they as far away as they look? Because I could construct an argument that says you're better off this season if Aaron Altier turns out to be something, uh, you know, and Aaron Nola turns out to have a, a big step forward. That's a successful year. Um, are they that far away? I mean, if, they, if Reese Hoskins – Hits 30 home runs at the major leagues out of the five hole. And Scott Kingery, you know, is an above average bat at second base. Uh, you know, a two hole hitter maybe. At that point, can they, can they, are they a couple free agents away from maybe making people can, hope can, again can or I what? Jump on this first. Just, uh, I want to get your take jump on, on it. Jump, yeah. Um, wh- whenever I get asked this question, I always think back to uh, the trade deadline of 2006 when the Phillies made that big deal with the Yankees and traded away Bobby Abreu and Corey Lytle for these four prospects who turned out none of which none of them turned out to help them at all. And the tenor of the team from Pat Gillick to Charlie Manuel to basically the clubhouse in a way was like, we are starting over. Do not expect us to win. You know, we'll be relatively competitive, but this is kind of a step backward. I mean, Pat Gillick as much as said that. And there was this sense of like, oh, how much longer is Charlie Manuel going to be the manager here? And then the, the, the team took off at that point. Like they were a terrific team the rest of the year. They made a push for a wild card berth. And then the following season is 07 and the, and the run of greatness begins. Because they moved to Brayu and it suddenly became Rollins and Utley and Howard's team completely. That's a long that's a that's a long roundabout way of asking the question that I don't think there's any way to know. And I don't say that like ducking the issue. I don't say it not thinking that Reese Hoskins, you know, isn't going to be good or is going to be great or something like that. You you just don't know. And well, I know you don't know, but I'm asking you to well, inform in, me. In 2006 you had like you said you had pieces you could point to. Yeah. You could point to well they still have Chase Elliott, still have Jimmy Rollins, Cole Hamels, Ryan Howard's coming up. This year, you have those guys, but they're all in the minor leagues. For the most part, you're pointing at Scott Kingery. All right, so to to answer the question, I say they're still relatively far away. Me too, and I think next year they're going to be, you know, a little bit better than this year. Probably not the worst team in baseball, but still not competitive and still not interesting. But 
you'll be able to point to those pieces. You'll be able to point right. those, those pieces will be in the majors <coughs> all next mm-hmm. season. And then t- that'll be 2018. 2019, you're competitive. 2019, I mean, 2020, the year after that, you're competing for a division 2020 was or a wild card berth. Five years ago, 2020 was, was where I had projected them to finally. Here, here's but the let, pro- me, let me rephrase the question real okay. quick because so, I didn't want to – I didn't mean to sound, make it sound as nebulous um, as it did. How how many of these guys do they need to hit to to pan out? Uh, like like for example, if Adubo Herrera is you know a leadoff turns out to be an everyday leadoff hitter on a first division team, and Reese Hoskins turned out to be an everyday cleanup hitter on a first division team, and uh, Michael Franco turns out to be uh, you know, gets his head out of his butt and turns out to be a six-hole hitter on a first-division team. And Aaron Nola turns out to be a number-three starter on a first-division team. H- I mean, how many more of these guys – like, w- how many pieces do you need in place before you start signing guys other than Michael Saunders, I guess is what I'm asking. All right, well, let's – okay, let's let's use – I think they're farther away for the reason we discussed the last But give time. me, like, a like, – like give, me, give me something concrete. Okay. All right, so go back to like what o- do you need to see? Uh, what, what do you need to well, see? Well, let's let's thing? tally it up this way. Go back to oh five and oh six when they were on the precipice of becoming, you know, the best team in the division for half a decade. Uh, well, let's keep in mind too that they would have been a playoff team in every one of those seasons. So they were actually on the precipice in two thousand one, two thousand two. Okay. So, all right, but let's for the sake of argument in the wild card. I'm t- given yeah, the wild card. They right. were like an eighty six. They, they only had team. one wild card back then. Now they would have two, and they would probably be a playoff team. But you had Ryan Howard established as a maybe one of the two premier power bats in the National League. You had Chase Utley established as the premier power second baseman in probably in baseball mm-hmm. at the time. Um, what year are we talking about here? Oh, oh six. Okay. You had Jimmy Rollins firmly established as an all-star caliber shortstop. Um, you had Pat Burrell established as a right-handed power bat in one of the corner outfield spots. Uh, you know, so that's one, two, three, four pieces right there that are that are fulcrum-type pieces. They don't even have one of those yet. Right, right, but here, here's my point. In 2001, they didn't have any of those guys, and they won 86 games. Well, Jimmy and they Rollins. W- they had Jimmy Rollins. Pat Burrell. They had Pat Burrell. Okay. So that's You didn't mention Pat Burrell's name in, in any of that rundown. Sealski did. Yes, did you? So, uh, they had – all right, well, but, but, but I'm, that, that's my point. So My point is that your point – these guys – they could. The only people at the major league level to me that matter are the pitchers. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I don't need any position player, current position player, on the roster in 2019 when when I think they're going to be good because I think they're going to be good based on Scott Kingery at second base, Reese Hoskins at first, Manny Machado at third base, J.P. Crawford at shortstop. Um, are we penciling Manny Machado? Jorge Alfaro, yeah, I didn't realize that. Andrew Knapp. There you go. Andrew Knapp will be here as a catcher with Jorge Alfaro. Your outfield is like, you know, Mickey Moniak and Adam Hazley and and is it Dylan Cousins or Nick Williams? You have a bunch of outfielders. Roman Quinn, if he's healthy. So all these guys, one hundred percent of them are going to turn out. I just think there's. I think to me that's what matters. So next season, when you start seeing these guys get to the majors, then I think you'll be able to point to that could be the Chase Utley. That could be you know you're going to have four names out of that stockpile of guys that you can build around, and then you make a splash. After next season in free agency, if it's Bryce Harper, if it's Manny Machado, it's going to be somebody. Somebody's going to – they're going to – they have all the money in the world. They're going to have some prospects, and they're going to be able to pay for somebody. Well, I guess but, – but, I mean, that would seem to be – like, that's that's how the, the, the 
you know, we would anticipate the the rebuild continuing to play out and how it's played out thus far. But like the like just like the murmurs about John Carlos Stanton and Christian Yellick and like I don't know, are they like is there like is there 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 are more ways than more than one way to build Certainly. a team, you know? There's, and, and there's other paths sure. that are gonna you're gonna have these chances, you know, along the road to twenty nineteen and twenty twenty to make deals like that. And that's where you're you have to make Matt Clintax has to make choices. Do you do you give up? four prospects to get Stanton and Yellick and, and if you have to take T Gordon or whatever. But they're gonna have other opportunities to do stuff like that. Or do you just wait till to get to that winner of twenty nineteen and then buy somebody? The other I mean the other a lot depends too on I mean what kind of talent is coming out at the number one overall pick this year? A- any idea yet? Do we have any idea yet? I don't know if anybody has any idea yet. No. A very I mean, early look and it wasn't I mean Bryce Harper's not coming out. There's not not a guy like that. Is there a guy who could be a quicker rise than Mickey Moniak? Well, he'd probably not draft a high school kid. No, I know. Well, that's what I'm saying. They've already there's drafted So there's no obvious. Like, like yeah, rise will be quicker. Be like, everyone yeah. knew Steven Strasburg. Everyone knew yeah. Chris, you know. There's, I, I d- right now, it doesn't look like there's a guy that's on the cover of Sports Illustrated as a high school kid ready to go to the majors like Strasburg and Harper were. Right. So, but, again, a, a lot of that stuff happens this summer and then into – you know, next spring before you really have a def- definite picture of who the number one pick's going to be. So you don't get the sense that the Phillies are starting to get impatient at all. They're they're still. I'm sure the owner is impatient. Yeah, just because well, that matters. <laughs> but I, I don't know if the f- if the GM I think is sticking to his guns and this is. I mean, he's only been here for since 20, the end of 2015. So oh, I know his he's not attached to what happened here in 2012, 2015, and his plan is is to get you know, to be competitive in the next few years. And, and I put that at 2019 and 2020. You mentioned the pitching. Well, let's first, so Sixto. Um, yeah. Gelb wrote a good piece on him. Ah, we didn't even ask him about the Sixto Sanchez piece. Because ah, really we, we, yeah. we were running around dealing with our weekly equipment <laughs> malfunction. For, those, for everybody listening, we actually ended up putting a set of headphones right in the middle of the table. But it's like... And I cranking uh, the volume so that we could all hear Gelb through... There's the like little gremlins that, that run through the studio. Um and just mess with me. Um, Anti-Murph gremlins. Yeah, I mean, like, like I, I think there's two... if they're really out to get I you. I think there's two concerns with the Phillies right now, and I think there's two things that make people... Um, but not even just people, but if you're looking at where you are right now compared to where you were hoping to be three years ago, th- there's two huge uh, concerns. Number one is the fact that they have not had a... S- they don't appear to have one player with centerpiece type upside at this point or at least realistic upside i mean like three years ago you were hoping jp crawford would be that guy and in 2018 he would be up here and he would be like your three-hole hitter your your you know you know 850 to 900 ops guy 15 you know he would be the guy that people come to see uh he would be your stan your carlos correa your francisco lindor um you know, all these other teams, uh, and, and part of the frustration with, with people is that a lot of these other teams have had those guys kind of just, I mean, Aaron Nola's great, but Aaron Judge was drafted the same year Aaron Nola was drafted. You know, I mean, wh- who would you rather have right now? And would the Yankees trade Aaron Judge straight up for Aaron Nola? Um, Probably. Yes. Y- yeah. Well, you also like Aaron Nola. They definitely would not. They definitely would for Scott Kingery. Um, Do you think the Angels would trade Mike Trout for Aaron Nola <sighs> straight up? I mean, Mike Trout... I, uh, I, from what I've heard from the Philadelphia fan base, he's going to force his way out of Anaheim so he can come hunt with Hunter Wentz 
Carson um, Wentz. Car- Carson Wentz. And I think Hunter Wentz, like, played for Fall Out Boy or something like that. Was that Pete Wentz? <laughs> That's Pete Wentz. Oh, okay. Wentz, yeah. Are they still around? Is he like still Fallout. around? Is he still dating that Ashley Simpson girl? I'm sure he's still around. If Aaron Carter is still having concerts, is he? I'm sure. Fa- that's why he got arrested this week on his way to a concert. Y- you and your fiance are going to dance to Immortals at your wedding, aren't you? To what? Immortals. What the heck is that? What is it's that? Fallout Boy song. Oh. Damn, you know too much Fallout Boy. <laughs> I know. You know why, how I know that? It was in Big Hero 6, a cartoon movie that my kids All right. Okay. I don't know what that is, but I'll give you a pass. <laughs> <laughs> for being a good dad, but you know, like that, like that's like, oh, so like Michael Franco and J.P. Crawford were the two guys that you were like, yeah, okay, and then like you, you, you got all these other lottery tickets where you were like, okay, well, m- you know, I know Nick Williams isn't a perfect prospect, I know Jorge Alfaro is not a perfect prospect, you know, but they have, uh, you know, they at least have a chance, but like none of these guys at this point looks any closer to being a, p- they, they all look like they're potential five, six, seven hole hitters, um, with maybe a two-hole hitter uh, mixed in. And then the second concern is, is in that vein, none of their pitching has turned out. I mean, three years ago, you were like Jake Thompson, you know. I mean, Jake Thompson, you know, well-regarded prospect. You know, you have Aaron Nola who, you know, um, I mean, I can't say, I don't want to say he hasn't turned out, but Aaron Nola's ceiling was always believed to be maybe number three, number, number three four. Number three in a good rotation. You know? Nola's the one guy out of all these guys that, they, that have got to the majors that look special. But, like, but, else but it's not even about sp- – but the pitching-wise, it's not even about being special. Like, that's why this team Just has been so brutal. It, 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 that's why this team has been so brutal to watch this year is because you're, you're running out guys like Jeremy Hellickson is, like, your stopper, you know? Um I mean, Vince Velasquez has just been a disaster. Like, has not made any improvement whatsoever. Uh, Mark Appel, the disaster, has not made any improvement well, see, whatsoever. Right, so Jake Thompson, a, like, like, we're talking about complete, complete disaster. Agreed. And, but that leads to a question that we, we delved in, touched on a little bit last week, which is how much of this is these guys just not being talented enough to be excellent baseball players at the major league level? And how much of it is an organization-wide relative failure to help these guys, to develop these guys, to help them improve. I mean, I'm not saying they're mutually exclusive. I'm saying that, you know, maybe these guys aren't talented enough, and they wouldn't be, ta- they wouldn't pan out in any organization. But it certainly seems like they're high. Th- these guys are fairly well regarded, and then they get here, and they're not making the jump that they ought to make. Um, is there something within the organization? I don't know. I mean, develop players that. The f- you know, might be a bigger issue. The only defense I would have is that a lot of these guys got here when they were in Double A or Triple right. uh, tri- A through mm-hmm. trade. So maybe, you maybe know. you're dealing with with quote unquote damage. Exactly. Goods, so well, I mean, yeah, that's fine. You got to keep in mind. I'm there's just a, asking. There's yeah, there's it, but you you have a point. I there's mean, there's a reason why all of these guys they acquired via trade that their were teams available were willing. Trade. You yeah. know, like there's traded, a, sure. the Rangers were not giving up Nomar Mazara for a reason. You know. Yeah. Um I don't know. Yeah, Development's but that, but like again, a ton- that I doesn't preclude a an organization from getting somebody else's trash and turning it into their treasure. Yeah, but I think that happens more, and I I just don't know how often that happens in baseball. Like like these guys, you got to keep in mind. So, like baseball players, by the time they get to the ma- by the time they get to the upper levels of the minor leagues, they've been playing every day. Most of them in year round because they grew up in in you know Florida, Texas, and California for their entire lives. I mean, they they've been playing you know 200 ball games or more a year and it's su- i mean i just don't know what a development staff you know in 3 years can do 
to break but the habit. I mean, we, we discussed this last week. Like, you see this all – you saw it with J.D. Martinez. You saw it with Jose Batista. Right, but he did that himself. It's not like the Tigers suddenly turned J.D. Martinez into a – I mean, J.D. Martinez has gone through the Astros' entire organization, you know, spent three years in the major leagues, and then one – like the Mets, same thing with Daniel Murphy, same thing with – like, I, I just don't know how much – like I know Jason the Jason Worth. I know the stories get yeah. yeah, like Jason Worth, the Phillies didn't develop Jason Worth, yeah. you know? I mean, he went through like three different minor league systems before he finally something clicked like, on his own. Look, I, I think development probably has yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's like hard. I've always wondered about it cuz there's there's no way to quantify it and you do see these teams like there are you do wonder if certain teams have figured something out, like the Cardinals for example. Um Braves seem to have it for a while in the nineties, yeah. you know. I mean, with pitch, um, with regard to pitchers, at least. Yeah. Uh, but like the Cardinals, uh, the Cardinals are really the only organization I look at that like consistently finds guys like Matt Carpenter and Matt Adams and and Colton Wong, and you know they just like keep churning through these. These even if they only have a couple good seasons, they just keep you know. Uh, Randall Gertrick, I don't even know if he's is he in the majors right now. Yeah. He looks like Pat Burrell. Teams that are just always good. Yeah. yeah, so there, there's a question. I just don't think – I don't know – I don't think any of these guys – I think these guys do their own thing in baseball. That's that's always been my – I don't know. What do you think, Breen? I mean – Yeah, I, I think it's more – I always put it on the players instead of, you know, people want to blame the coaches or blame the, you know, development staff. It's – I mean, sometimes it comes down to you as the player. And no, I, I, I'm, I acknowledge I'm not, I'm not arguing saying. with you, but yeah. I think you do have a point. It is – you do have to question it when every – is every pitcher – that bad you know when they all get up there that i mean that's kind of striking too that just one guy looks like i said you know aaron nola is the one guy that you can really point to so now i guess we'll see with the rest of the season you know eichhoff didn't look that great last night yeah he's vince velasquez comes back today see if he can have a eichhoff has looked like a different guy no, I mean, I he's, he's he is what he is i mean he's yeah. you know yeah he beat the padres last week again we talked about it he beat the padres last week throwing 87 mile an hour fastballs like you know what, that's just not going to get it done. It's no. just not. The one guy I have we we talked about last week, but and then of course he turned around and 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 went went duty all over uh all over himself. But but Nick uh Pavetta. Nick Pavetta, I feel like he at least I, I I was not a Nick Pavetta fan. Like the guy's got a f- can't pitch down the zone. He's got a straight 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 fastball, and at least early on could not locate his his off speed stuff at all. But at least in like that four or five stretch where I actually watched him um, lately, like he was like l- he was at least like throwing his slider for strikes a little more, um, moving his fastball around a little bit. Um, y- you know, is there any hope for him, or do you think he's going to end up being a seventh inning guy? I think he's just a guy. Um, but you know, the, like I said, the rest of the season really will you'll have a you know a full bigger sample size, and at the end of the season, Bill say. But I want you. I want, I want uh, Matt Breen to, yeah, to I, I, take me inside. My opinion right now, which could change, but my opinion right now is that he's just, you know, he, he's just a guy, and the only pitcher that you can count on is Nola going forward, <laughs> and maybe Vince it Velasquez. But I'm that's why I'm really intrigued to see Velasquez back from the DL tonight. It, it is like was he was this a real injury of Vince Velasquez's, or was this like yeah, do you he go down off the mound with the elbow injury i thought he was gonna need tommy john I, you know i really? don't want to see that and it was just so then what makes you miami walks off he's hurt then what makes you optimistic that he's gonna suddenly come back from the disabled list and because i think he has a chance uh, just not he's that got the stuff i, I thought the injury that. required uh, the worst case scenario you're gonna need tommy john but he, he said he didn't right away and he, d- he knew you know so but i'm just saying has he been right. like working on stuff or no, like i just think he he has shown flashes of being special 
at times mm-hmm. in you know the last two seasons. It, it, it is striking. Like you can see wh- when a Phillies pitcher has stuff that stands out, it really stands out. You know, when you see Neris throwing that split finger tightly, you know, when you saw that most, you know, obviously more last season than you have this season. But when you see Nola, you know, in the last five or six starts with working the changeup in the velocity uptick with location and that curveball, when you see, you know, when you saw Velasquez strike out the 16 last, like, it just seems to stand out that much more because so few guys who they've had pitching for them have had stuff like that. They just – they don't seem – I don't know if they can't find them, they can't maintain it or whatever, but um, those three guys come to mind. I don't know of anybody else who I watch and go, oh, that's – like you can see the stuff there if he just harnesses it. Like they don't have anybody like that, it seems. Yeah, like they don't even have any – to find it, right? Yeah. That's the thing. you got to go all the way down the Lakewood before you even get there. We m- Like who else is uh, – h- h- do they have anybody – I mean, Sixto Sanchez, best case scenario, is still three years away, right? Two or three years away? I would say two. Okay. Um, Next year could be the year that they, you know, they let him go and he runs through the minors. Right, but he's still only nineteen. Yeah, I mean but but so then I would put him, best case scenario, okay. twenty. What's next year? Eighteen, twenty nineteen. I mean, he's best also case. he's still at a point where like he could easily blow his For shoulder. Sure. There's elbow a lot out. Sure. left to yeah. determine. You know, a lot of mileage left on the arm, and I mean, like you know, and anything can happen. But he's your best chance and best guy to look well, at. Well, is there anyone else out there? Um, there's pitchers. I mean, Jojo Romero is a guy at Clearwater that's they drafted last year has been pretty good. Um, Drew Anderson pitched really well for uh, Reading last night, and he's a guy that could be something. What about the kid who just threw the, the no hitter? Yeah, there you go. Well, I guess we'll find out. What about Franklin Cologne? No, I'm actually. What has Franklin Cologne been doing? He's in Clearwater right now. He's been all right. Only all right. Yep. Is that how you say his last name? I say it. That's I say it that way. Right then. But I also call him Mark Apple, so. <laughs> um, He's on the DL. Is, 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 uh, is, um, what's his name? Cornelius Randolph doing anything? Cornelius Randolph. He had an Like that, that again, like that was that a disaster for yeah, them. Yeah, he has not done anything. It's Up just there. amazing. He's probably in Clearwater. He probably should have been in Lakewood to start the season. He didn't really hit his way to Clearwater last year, but that's where he's at now. And I think all this goes back to, like, I, I don't know how I, – I think just the fact that the Philly system was so bankrupt earlier, it just accept- – I think this is, like, the natural rate of attrition in the minor leagues. Uh, you know, like the, Yan- like, the Yankees have seven guys in the top 100 this year, you know, at, at midseason for Baseball America. Like, I'll be interested to see in four years mm-hmm. where any of these guys are. You the know, Phillies like – had six or something, right? Right. 100. And, yeah, I think, the like you said, the system was so bad, and that's what made this – uh, rebuild takes so, so long. they needed all these guys to hit at a higher rate than prospects you usually yeah. convert at, and but now you're finally getting guys that you can look at, and you're not holding your wagon to, you know, some random, you know, bum. Yeah, but like yeah, seven legitimate guys. Mitch- sure, and you also, good. you know, you you also now have a situation where the ownership is at least to a certain extent allowing, sure, you know, fewer of these guys. You know, I mean, it's, it's a chicken or egg question in a way. You know, when it gets to be 2012, 2013, 2014, is it we have to keep Ryan Howard, Jimmy Rollins, Chase Utley, Carlos Ruiz in the lineup every day because that's what fans have come to expect and we're going to continue to go for it and spend? Or are you doing all that because there's nobody coming up behind them and, you know, if we if we get rid of them, it's going to be awful? And, you know, 
I don't know. I mean, I. D- you know who is? You know who is? Uh, uh, not on that note, but you know who is hitting right now? Who's that? This is the guy that people were sw- have been sweating for a couple of years. Jalen Ortiz. Yes, he's hitting very well. He's currently hitting. Jalen Ortiz was like their first, which I still don't necessarily understand <laughs> their approach to the international market over the last five years. Like, they, they, you know, I don't know if they got scared off by, maybe they just waited too long. Like, the whole Miguel, we, we should know where are they now on Miguel Alfredo Gonzalez. Uh, I mean, we're pitching in a softball league in Allentown. Wherever he is, he's got a lot of money, I would assume. Um, but, like, like, they just have still are not very active, um, not as active as, as you would have anticipated a big market team to be. Um, you know, I, I know they're a little constrained here, but, like, you see all these other teams doing very inventive things in the international market with their with their signing slots and with, you know, trades. And, you know, so I saw someone just, like, sto- like I, the Dodgers, I think, might have just, like, stocked up on $200,000 guys or something like that. You know, do you know what I'm saying? Like, I think they're, you're starting to see that a little bit more. They traded – they made trades this year to get – uh, more slot they trade the Ortiz year they had to trade to get slot to right. sign him, and um, like you said, he was their right. highest so paid international free agent. So, th- so the reason for that preamble was that he was the guy that kind of like sign that was like their f- the first guy they ever actually went out and yeah. spent money on, other than Miguel Alfredo Gonzalez in um, like like even like Yasmani Tomas. It's like oh we can't spend money on him, you know like, but you're gonna spend. Twenty million dollars on Clay Buchholz and Michael Saunders. Like, what's yeah. What, yeah, what's the difference? You know. Yeah. Uh, th- I mean, that's more of a, a vestige of the last regime. Uh, but uh, but anyway, Jalen Ortiz at the age of eighteen, and this guy was like, like like Breen said, they they traded, they they loved this guy, correct? Yes. Um, and he's actually, if you look at him, he doesn't look to be that athletic, but he's made like diving catches, and it's pretty incredible. Right fielder. I think so. Um, right-handed hitter. Uh, I was quizzing you because I'm looking at it right now. It says right fielder. Yeah. Um, he's hitting 273, 429 on base percentage, 530 slugging percentage. Uh, again, this is uh, this is rookie league Williamsport, New York Penn League, 84 plate appearances. But he's got four home runs and five doubles in 66 at bats, which that's good for an 18 year old at any level of competition. That's pretty good. Uh, Real good. What have you have you heard anything? I mean, again, we're talking about he says he has two two hundred eighty one plate appearances in his career. Have you heard anything from the Phillies to update um, their their view of him? They like him. They like him a lot. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how they move him. You know, next season I would guess he'll stay in Williamsport the rest of the year, obviously. And then does he go play his first full year next year in Lakewood? And how is that for a test? He'll be nineteen next year. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, a guy that you forget about because he's so far down in Williamsport. Mm. And but he's he only a year younger than pick. Mickey Moniak. Yeah, exactly. So like people forget about this guy, and it's like next year could be his big year playing in Lakewood. You know, if he hits a bunch of homers, I think he could be a piece going forward of this. This, you know, when I'm naming all these guys, that's a name I f- I forget too. Like that's that's the like I guess that's why. Just kind of thinking out loud, I'm also kind of thinking out loud because I need to write something tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> I'm kind of talking it out right yeah, now. Yeah, this but is like the point. This is really the point of the podcast is for Murph to generate column ideas. Yeah, you guys should actually be charging me like, uh, like what does therapy go for? Like hundred bucks an hour? Yeah, you guys probably should be charging me. Um, although I don't know if two hundred for you. That's I don't know if you're laying on a couch. I don't right know now. if you. That's right. I don't know if you guys take the uh, Teamsters Guild. Uh, <laughs> like we got, we got this new insurance. Yeah, I gotta find out if my dentist takes it. Dude, we, we got this new. In- well, well. Y- <laughs> 
This like, like I, I'm gonna walk like, into the dentist I, office and be like, "What do you mean you're not taking the Teamsters?" Yeah, so so, we, <laughs> so they just switched us over to this this new health coverage. We drive trucks. Um, now. Which yeah. now that I'm 35 years old, turned it on Sunday. I I I, well, I think about I, I, think I think about things like health coverage. Um, and I'll tell you what, man, the materials look like like Jimmy Hoffa himself, like sat down at a typewriter, and like printed them out for everybody. Because like, Jimmy dude, like. Hoffa. I'm like, oh, uh, what doctors can I go to? They're like, oh, I'll send it to you. It's like literally an Excel. It's not even an Excel. It's like a word perfect table yeah. that like has all the doctors listed alphabetically yeah. with their addresses. I'm like, how the hell am I? How is this gonna help me? Like, <laughs> uh, you know, like there's no blue dot on this. How do I search? How do I search? You know, uh, and like the card is like, bring this to CVS and they'll give you drugs. Like it's like, it's, yeah. it's like the most hilarious plan in the entire. It world. is. Uh, I've already um, gone to where did I go? Um, to think uh oh i called my uh um eye doctor about it and the eye doctor that i've used for the last 10 years was not listed as right. as on the on the long list of um places where you could go and they would accept this coverage but they're like oh yeah we take that like it, it was just it was kind of like you know as murph said like not comprehensive <laughs> in terms of it's the just material not, yeah. they're providing. do we know now like are we going to be allowed we should to probably the discuss of this Hoffa off the air yeah. i think was up his body at giant stadium uh oh Breen won't see him no more. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, but anyway, so so one more th- Philly. Anyway, next w- week we'll w- deal with one the more health thing about Philly. Yeah. One, one more thing about Philly. All right. Cuz here's here's what I've been wondering. People are are running to destroy their their iPhones and It's only been an hour and a minute. <laughs> FYI. Uh, like is there a way for No. this team to continue to rebuild and and keep its central kind of goals in place without being this bad. And I think, like, one area I look at it on the team where, like, give me a reason why the Phillies should not spend a lot of money next season just to have a good bullpen. And, you know, then, hey, maybe, like, if you if you get a Ryan Madsen and Sean Doolittle, then you trade them for, for prospects. You know, like, is there a reason why they can't, you know, overpay – Andrew Miller or whoever the Andrew Miller is this year. Like, what what, what is the argument against um, just building as good a bullpen as possible at the very least, or, or bringing in a couple more starters or whatever? That's that's what it could be. Uh, I think they're going to have to spend money next year. I mean, this winter they're going to have to spend something. And why? Why do they have to? Well, you have to. You can't roll out a payroll of what thirty million dollars, mm-hmm. whatever it would be. Yeah. You're going to have to make it respectable. And they did that this year. With Maybe that's what I'll write. Howie there you Kendrick go. I think I might have hit. Pat Nishak. Bingo. All right, go. we can wrap it up now. Look up the the arms. That I think they'll they'll sign. Pat Nishak and the Bendigo. <laughs> little biblical humor. Very good. Is. Do you know who that is? Shadrach. Shadrach Nishak and Bendigo. The three also guys. Also Beastie Boys lyric. The three guys Saul threw into the furnace. Yeah. But they didn't get burnt. What book was that? Daniel, maybe. I have no idea. Might have been. I'm a new I'm a New Testament guy. Yeah, you are. You're the New Covenant. That's what, that's what you're. If you were an athlete, your nickname would be the New Covenant. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, sorry. What were you I saying? think I would Matt, say they're the going to spend their money. The New Covenant. That is way, dude. That is a way better. That is a way better nickname than the process. The New Covenant. Yeah. Uh, well, I think they spend money on the bullpen. I think Sean Doolittle. I would be interested in that guy. Just followed him on Twitter. Uh, Twitter the other day and his stuff's funny. Mm-hmm. He's interesting. Well, that's He's the important thing is whether I'm he sure tweets well. I'm and sure that really meant good. a lot to him. Yeah. yeah, it did. No, I just was. That's like, why wow, people think the Sixers are going to win 50 games this season because Joe LMB tweets. Yeah, exactly. But no, I think I definitely think they spend money on the bullpen, maybe the bench, and maybe uh, 
you'd have to look at the roster and, and find out if there's a an outfielder. But you don't want to sign an outfielder and then block. No, but your I, that's why I'm saying that the, it would have to be pitching. Ex- it would definitely. It's going to have to be a place where you don't want to block all those guys we talked about earlier that are going to be in the majors next year. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, I would say that hopefully, hopefully, if they did, um, hopefully, if they did sign somebody like Sean Doolittle, it would turn out to be Sean do a lot. But Sean Doolittle will probably <laughs> want to play for a winner, right? If that line is in your column tomorrow, this will not will this will not have been time well spent. JJ Redick probably wanted to play a winner until he, he got twenty three with six zeros that's after. That's very it. true. But the Sixers are going to be a winner and they're going to make the playoffs. Uh, what year are we talking about? This season. You they, heard they you heard it here first. They made the playoffs last year. If Embiid stayed healthy healthy the last year, they would have made the playoffs. Eight uh, teams make the playoffs in the East. The East is so bad. Us three put Gelb in here, and uh, give us one of the interns, and we'll make the playoffs. Yeah, those interns look pretty. Uh, Teddy Bailey got game. All right. He's, He's from Indiana. Point. 